0: Hi, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Hayworth, and in each episode, I will discuss and explore the key challenges facing family businesses today. As a family business advisor, I'm passionate about helping families to overcome the complex and unique challenges that come from being in business together. So if what I cover in the show resonates with you, I'm here to help and I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at fanbizpodcast.com forward slash workwithruss. You can also sign up to the newsletter there and receive the latest blogs, podcasts and videos directly in your inbox. I would like to thank my friends at the Institute for Family Business for their continuing support for what I'm doing with this show. The IFB is a unique community of family businesses with common challenges, interests, values and goals. To find out more about their work, visit ifb.org.uk Let's get on with the show! Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the show. I hope you are all well. I am really happy to be joined by Catherine Grum today who uh, is going to be talking to us about diversification and its role in sustainability. (coughs) Firstly, Catherine, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm still glad to be here.
0: And for our audience, can you just give us an introduction into the role you have Uh, with BDO. I believe you're the head of family office services so if you can explain to us a little bit about what that uh, means on a day-to-day basis and your history and background uh, that'd be great.
1: Yeah very happy to. Um, I think as we uh, said when we were catching up before the show that um, talking about family offices is probably a, a fraction of what I actually do. I'm focused on working with a range of enterprising families from entrepreneurs who are still busy uh, thinking up the next business idea uh, through to more established business families and on to families with portfolios of assets or perhaps even an established family office. And what I focus on helping them with is identifying what the ultimate purpose of their wealth is. So, thinking sort of very long term about why they're working so hard, what, what it actually means for them and their family and then the practical implications of that. So for a a business family, it might be looking at how to improve their family governance and how to make sure that they're communicating effectively. For a family office, it might be checking in that actually what the family office is focused on aligns with the objectives and the rationale for the family office existing and the purpose for that family. So it's taking uh, the idea of purpose and making sure it's practical and to how I ended up um, advising around this. My career, I started off um, as a private client lawyer. So I was working with a lot of the same sorts of clients, uh, looking at how they might establish a family office, or um, setting up trust structures or working with family businesses. And from there, I've continued to, I guess, diversify using today's theme and Broaden my knowledge and understanding of the ecosystem that sits around enterprising families. So I've spent time working uh, within a private bank looking at how you might structure and work alongside investment professionals to support the family's objectives. I've also run a multi-family office and then spent the last six years or so um, as a professional advisor in professional services firms uh, advising on the governance and the strategic elements and then bringing in colleagues who have sort of a multidisciplinary background whether they're tax or, or they might be corporate finance or even cyber security um, to help implement whatever plans we're putting in place for a particular family.
0: Fantastic and we're delighted to um, have you on the show today and, and to have this discussion around the role of diversification when it comes to uh, things like sustainability, and you mentioned about some of the governance um side of things which we'll um, dig into a bit uh, as we progress through the show. but as a starting point um again, sustainability is a word that is being thrown around um a lot i mean i 'm slightly hypocritical there because i 'm doing a series on sustainability so i'm 'm part of that noise. Um, and we have spent a little bit of time in, in defining that over the first few episodes of, of this series. And diversification can mean different things to different um, people. So I think as a, again, a starting point for what we're gonna be discussing today, perhaps a good place to start is to look at what we mean by diversification. Um, do you have sort of a, a viewpoint or a, a definition you would use from uh, your perspective?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Is it very helpful to make sure that we're all on the same page right at the start? Um, I don't have a, a neat definition, but certainly what I'm talking about around diversification is ultimately a family not having all their eggs in the same basket. So they may have um a family business, for example, uh, the family might manufacture parts for diesel cars. Um, you know, they they may have been in that sort of industry for past couple of generations so when I'm talking about diversification I'm talking about what they might do outside that business and that interest with their assets and with their time so that might involve them um, establishing a completely new business venture it might involve them extracting some money and using it to build a financial portfolio or uh, develop uh, real estate It's, it's really looking primarily at the the family's assets, but also how they spend their time and spreading from that one one basket um, across a range of different areas.
0: Yeah, and I think um, as well, one of the discussions that we had uh, in, in planning this episode was that now seems to be a very pertinent time for businesses to be looking at this, particularly family uh, enterprise or enterprising families. And I know that's something you're seeing in your discussions um, with the, the clients you work with, but what's behind that? Is it is it a groundswell of movement towards looking at more sustainable strategies? Is it COVID? Is it a combination of everything going on at the moment? What, what are you hearing?
1: Yeah, I think I mean, the short answer is it it depends on the family um, and it is a a combination of different factors. But I think um, in almost every conversation I'm having now with um, families who've got one large business or at least a a big concentration of their wealth in one particular area, it is coming up in the conversation. Uh, And I think what COVID has done, um, two things. One, it's actually given people time to pause and reflect and there's lots of re-evaluation going on for lots of different reasons and this is kind of one aspect of it. And I think secondly, um, the impact that COVID's had on such a range of different businesses and different industries um, has really made people reflect that even if their particular industry has come out reasonably unscathed, um, it could be them next time with a different crisis Um, so I think people are trying to learn the lessons and and think about things with a bit more um, long-term view in terms of how it fits in with I guess the the sustainability conversation so part of sustainability in the context of um, enterprising families is thinking about um, models that enable their wealth to um, support the family for a long period of time so Is what they're doing going to be around in 10, 20, 100 years time in some way, shape or form? But part of it is actually more specific. So there are a lot of conversations that are being driven um, by concerns around um, environmental, social or governance considerations um, and whether or not their business or their approach um, is aligned with the family's broader values um, so sometimes it's a sort values-driven conversation. Sometimes it might be, you know, looking at strategic business risk. As is there, you know, the example I gave before about the, um, you know, the, the car manufacturers creating parts for diesel cars specifically. Um, you know, their business could well be obsolete. if They did nothing in five, ten years time. Mm-hmm. So there is the the um, impact of uh, the changing. Uh, dynamics caused by people being more focused on environmental, social and governance concerns and that impact. But, I mean, if you look at it more broadly, why do families think about diversification? Um, Some of the other elements that come into play can be things like different objectives of different family members. So perhaps um, the business is going to be uh, requiring a lot of capital investment in the future and some of the family members are very reliant on income streams from the business um, do the family therefore need to think about a different model to en- enable to support those family members better um, or it might be that there's a lack of engagement so again you know industries that are um, not seen as sitting well from environmental social governance perspectives in particular but not only that um, they may struggle to engage certain family members in what the business is doing uh-huh. I've got one or two clients from family businesses who just say that what they do isn't sexy. You know, it's uh-huh. it's what they've done for you know, generations. But actually, is it what the next generations of the family uh, are going to be inspired by and, and want to get involved in? Perhaps, perhaps not. Is there something else that they could do uh, to try and um, increase the attraction and the interest from the younger family members and what they're doing? Um, I've already mentioned really that the sort of concentration risk, the family having all their eggs in one basket, and whether or not they're comfortable with that. Um, and then, yeah, the, the final one is the, to address specific business risks, which it could be something you know COVID-related, it could be something yes G related or it could be something you know, completely different. But nobody wants to be a shareholder in the next Kodak.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the the sort of motivations can be varied as you've just laid out. But are there a common set of considerations or perhaps steps or discussions mm-hmm. that families should be able to... So if they find themselves in this position, and it could be that there's different family members at differing levels of motivation to talk about this sort of conversation around diversification, and particularly if it's a very traditional family business that has always been operating under the same kind of model, it can be quite difficult to challenge that sometimes. What sort of things should families be considering when they're looking at these conversations and these discussions around diversification? And, and what role are you playing in helping them have that conversation?
1: Yeah, there's a, a lot to unpick there, but again, you're raising some really, I think, useful points to cover. Um, so, firstly, in terms of you know getting people to the table to have this conversation, it's usually you know, perhaps one or two family members can see um, the need to diversify or, or have got concerns about one of those areas, I, you know, I described about why diversify. Um, but they're, they're usually, particularly if we've got a wider group of shareholders, um, everyone won't initially be on the same page. So firstly, there's an, an awareness process. So trying to share information um, and looking at different formats and ways of doing that. To, to try and help the family and help others come to the table and, and want to engage with it. Cause you know, when anything involves change, it can be very unsettling and people generally need a reasonably strong motivation for doing that. And I wouldn't underestimate the time it can take for people to, to be ready to engage in that. So you know, my first role is often to help um, to feed the family case studies, examples Try and find them other families to speak to, or you know, look at conferences or, or sort of other opportunities for them to get exposure to um, why they might want to be thinking about this change. Because it really does help um, at right at the outset to make sure that everybody is kind of aligned and on the same page as to why they're looking to diversify. Because that will then guide what you need to do in order to diversify. Because if you are diversifying because you want to engage the next generation then clearly uh, how you look at it and what you actually put in place needs to achieve that versus if you're diversifying because there's a specific um, business risk in your industry then you know the solutions may look slightly different so you know starting out with that kind of clear um, purpose tells you a bit about how you're going to go about it but then you will uh, there's a uh, you know certain other considerations that it's worth just outlining um that families might find it helpful to go through um the next one is you know what are the objectives of the process so that's kind of elaborating on the why to get the the what and the how um so what are you trying to do um how will you know if the diversification process has been successful getting just mm-hmm. some broad principles agreed there um looking at the impacts that this might have on family governance arrangements obviously a topic close to to yours and my hearts in particular but the mindset of the family um what's currently in place and is that going to work effectively based on the, the sort of um diversification that's being considered the new businesses or the new areas that the family want to get more exposure to um what will be the role of individuals within that and how's that going to change um what's their sort of appetite and involvement in the management and control been so far so if you've got a family who are particularly engaged in their family business still and they're thinking about diversifying are they going to want to be equally engaged and in control of the um, other assets that they may be acquiring whether it's a financial portfolio or or other businesses Mm. or are they going to be um, willing to move to more of a um, sort of a governing or an investing type role and allow others to take that day-to-day control and and just thinking through and understanding those implications early on um, is going to be a key to success because you can set yourself A lot of families think the idea of diversifying and having a financial portfolio to balance out the business risks can be a good one, but they really struggle to implement that because you're relying typically um, on the expertise of others in that situation and you're delegating a lot um, to other people that and the key to your success so far might well have been that you've kept things under your own control because it's your yeah. business, and you've been you've had your finger on the pulse. So yeah,
0: and uh, just picking up on that point in in terms of again using your example of the um, parts manufacturer for for diesel cars. Now, if if you've built up your knowledge and experience and expertise in that area and are very successfully running a business in that area and the plan for you as a family is to diversify away from that into who knows what you know that we, we don't even have to, to mm. make up and normally use <laughs> widgets but that's a bit close to manufacturing of um, car parts property development think, yeah property development mm-hmm. it may not be the same set of skills that are required in running one side of the business as it is to the other So it might be that you say, well, that that's an opportunity for the next generation to to go and fulfill their potential and their ideals there. But I think it's also having an eye on and recognizing that in that example, one of the reasons why they're diversifying is that the manufacturing business that relies on diesel cars is probably going to decline over time, which will result in that gradual reduction for the person running that business of that control and management and if that then at some point either disappears or gets to a point that it's not as fulfilling is where then as well because if you've given complete control over of the property development side the, the, i imagine the person's not going to want you turning up in 5 years time going right i'm here to to run it now because the other side of it's not not as operational as before and it's it's having a, an eye on that longer term viewpoint again isn't it
1: yeah, exactly. And, and the roles and the implications that this diversification process has for um, sort of key stakeholders within the family, I mean, that, that can't be underestimated because it really will be key to success in the future. And ultimately, what almost all the family enterprises I know have in common is that they are trying to create and maintain something to improve the lives of future generations. Uh, what form that takes and exactly what that means will differ between families but but they 're generally trying to improve the lives of their um, their children and, and mm-hmm. uh, grandchildren and, and perhaps others to come um, and therefore if they 're creating something that actually has a, a negative impact on certain key family members it's really it 's very different from the sort of corporate world where you might say well that person can just move on into a, a different company or a different different role um, if part of your sort of purpose of the family wealth is to create these opportunities for family members, then taking them away again um, will have significant impact. And also, if you think about who you're going to need to get on board for the diversification process, if it's going to have a particular impact on someone who's going to need to sign up to this, then you may, you know, may not get off the starting board if you haven't taken that into consideration. Mm. But it, I mean, it's a really important point for um, family enterprises more generally thinking about, uh, you know, as they transition, as there will be transitions within all family enterprises, um, thinking about future roles. Uh, I don't know how much you've read or, or listened to anything on uh, flow state, mm. but I think there are some really interesting uh, points for entrepreneurs and, and families. because it, it, So flow state is, broadly speaking, the kind of mental state that athletes know top performing athletes and others get into where you completely lose track of time you're very absorbed in what you do and you can see that in you know in entrepreneurs as much as athletes or you know, mm-hmm. medical doctors and, and different professions um, so if if you're the role that you're playing in your family business and um, you are operating in that kind of flow state you're being challenged um constantly it, it's a very satisfying and sa- um, mode to live your life in mm-hmm. Um, you get a lot of kind of deep long-term satisfaction if if you're using your skills and attributes in that way, and if that ceases and you know you retire to play golf or, or to, to live on the beach whatever it may be, and that doesn't create that same sort of flow, then you often struggle to get that same degree of happiness and, and satisfaction with your life. So that's when you often see people then coming back and tinkering back with the business or, or yes. wanting that involvement. And understanding that you can appreciate there there may be lots of other avenues for people to explore, whether it's you know, family philanthropy, whether it's a new business venture, um, whether it is a role within that kind of diversified structure, whether it's a family office or something else, that can achieve that same um, challenge and, and satisfaction for individuals. But you just have to do a little bit of thinking to, to try and plan that out. I was gonna say the other point I was going to make was around when you're talking about diversification and thinking about the next industry. What I see happen a lot in practice of families say we want to diversify um, because we're worried about the risk or we want to at least spread our, our risks. And then what they actually do is set themselves up to invest in something that is very closely aligned the original business because that's where their expertise is that's where their mm. connections are
2: uh-huh.
1: and depending on the original purpose and objectives of the diversification exercise that can be a good thing or or it can completely defeat what you were trying to achieve because if you are you know if you were the car manufacturer and you um move so you you decide to open um car showrooms for diesel cars, you know brand of diesel cars uh-huh. as, as your diversification measure Um, you're not really achieving your purpose whereas actually if you're just looking for a different role for family members or um, you just want to to spread out the assets and and the risk a little bit you might be achieving a purpose doing that so it, it whether or not you're successful will ultimately depend on you know, checking back in with what you were trying to do in the first place.
0: Yeah and uh, I think that example of the, the dealership and the, the manufacturer that's an example of putting another egg in the same basket isn't it <laughs> rather than than perhaps moving your eggs into to different baskets and I think that in itself um, c- can prompt some really interesting discussions around you mentioned earlier about having to perhaps make changes or alterations to operating models to help mm. to facilitate some of this and to, to help keep people happy and what did you mean by that in terms of the the operating model have you got examples where um to to, to bring that to life
1: yeah so i, I guess what i mean by the operating model if you think you know you've got a, a family business um and you're using all your resources within that family business, you've got um, different skills and expertise. Um, If you are broadening out um, and you may be taking on new separate businesses or investment portfolios, how are you going to manage that as a family? How are you going to oversee that? Um, Do you need additional support? Um, Do you need to take on um more people. Can you perhaps use some of the business the resources from within the family business, at least at a starting phase? So uh, I often see, for example, um, HR teams uh, being borrowed, uh, sometimes office space being borrowed mm-hmm. and facilities, or uh, maybe the, the tax team from within the business being used um, outside the business for some of the other assets the family own. Um, so there are it's literally how are you actually going to manage this diversification in practice what time is it going to involve from you what resources is it going to need um and you know how does the culture as well track across from your family business um into whatever the new ventures and how important is that for you so those are all kind of facets of it, it it's probably not strictly speaking an operating model if you, you think about it in terms of the pure corporate but it's mm. what i mean by that is it's the how so in practice how are you going to diversify particularly if you're you know you're already busy and and stretching your your time and or your expertise do you need to actually bring in some additional support um, and you may also be thinking you know be taking on additional areas of risk uh-huh. Um, so you might not have uh, a particular concern for cybersecurity within the business that you're running um but by starting to manage financial investments that your profile may change um uh, and other you know or you may just be now trying to manage very different reputational risks than uh, than previously so how are you going to actually do that in practice um so there's you know, the, in terms of examples, families manage it in different ways. So that's when some families might set up a family office um, because they want that kind of professionalised infrastructure to help support them um, for, for some or all of their activities outside that core family business. Mm. Um, so you see a lot of family offices set up. They may still the family may still own the main business, or it may be sort of following a liquidity event. But that's that's kind of um, the the all in operating model Mm where you're kind of hiring people and investing in that full infrastructure. Um, But other examples of how families manage that, so they just make sure they've got a good team of advisors around them um, to help, and they've identified where they've potentially got gaps. They may look at firms to outsource certain functions. So you could even get, these days you can get outsourced FD, you can get an outsourced HR team. Um, You can work with your professional services firms for legal and tax advice. You don't need to do that in-house. You might have done that in-house in the family business, but um, where you're kind of covering more areas, you can at least tap into that that area of expertise. So there's lots of ways in which um, families going through that process can get the necessary support. And it's it's really thinking about, um, particularly where you're talking about spending money, you know, where do you want and where would you value having your own expertise and time and resources Uh Um, because that's a tap you you can't really turn off you know it's it's where you really have a gap and you really need somebody on your side versus where can you supplement what you're doing with external advisors i spend a lot of time kind of working with families trying to work through and think about you know what it is they they really fundamentally need because i'm i'm not a fan of huge all singing all dancing family offices that no one's really thought about and they've just kept hiring and hiring um i don't think you know 20 years ago the industry was very different but these days um there are a lot more people that you can lean on and get support from you don't necessarily need that the same kind of team in-house
0: yeah there's much better understanding as well as to perhaps models that haven't been as successful and lessons learned from, from other people's experiences as well as as we um, progress over uh, the course of time. Um, linked to what you were mentioning there about perhaps changing in terms of the, the operating model from a sort of a how to do it kind of um, element, that kind of knocks on as well into the family governance arena that, that you and I both sit in and again I imagine um, and from personal experience uh, in families that are having this discussion the governance structures that they might have put in place either recently or, or previously that are, are, are sort of in the background of what's going on at the moment may also need to be adapted reviewed um, if they haven't got any they, it might be a good mm-hmm. opportunity to uh, to trigger those discussions as well as part of this overall um, diversification question because you, you if in a very simplistic terms in in one of those examples you would go from one operating business to two operating businesses and so the family governance that needs to be in place needs to recognize that too right it's not just a case of going well it now is one size fits all yeah uh,
1: and there are, I know I would I was actually talking to a client just this week and talking about governance being a journey not a destination um, so it, it's something that continually evolves anyway and, and you know the family will often make tweaks without the need for advisors but um, when it comes to doing a bit more of a, a strategic refresh, it can be really helpful to have somebody who's a bit more independent and particularly where you've got individuals who've got you know interests and stakes in the outcome of this it can be a bit hard for them to also be seen to drive it and so that's often where um my initial conversation is i've been brought in by somebody who they they can kind of see some of the implications and if i had all the time in the world they could do a lot of it themselves but actually a mixture of needing somebody more independent just to facilitate those discussions as a family mm-hmm. and um you know, the, the time con- constraints means that it it can be really helpful. And as you say, it's a good opportunity. I mean, I'd always start by looking at what's currently in place. Uh, Is it working? Um, And why is it working? Or if it's not working, what are the issues? And what can you learn from that before you start thinking about how to put something new in place? So, for example, um, if you've got a family council, but actually the principal is still making all the decisions and is not really using and working with the family council, um, there's no point designing a new governance arrangement with more sort of family councils if the principal's still going to do that. Uh, so, so going back and understanding why is it because actually he needs a clearer role um, a, and a clearer purpose for himself? Is it that the trust isn't there yet, and therefore you need to work more on actually building the trust, or is there, um, you know, is it just his passion and? he will always want to be involved in which case you work with that but uh-huh. it's kind of it's having those conversations with the family um it's also as i said there's governance models work differently depending on the family's mindset so if you've got a family who um i've got a family business and they're very engaged with the management of the business the governance model that you'd use would look quite different from a family who's although they've still got that it might be the same business, but if they see themselves much more as kind of governing or investing family members, then the governance is going to be a bit heavier because they mm-hmm. don't have the people on the ground and they're going to, have to pay more attention to how people are appointed um, to make sure they've got the right mix and the family influence where it's appropriate versus a business that the family are fully engaged in. So if you're moving from, in your example, one business to two, if the second business is property development, uh, using our, our analogy – And that's not an area that the family are going to be involved with directly. They're going to appoint an external um, person to run that for them. They like the idea of it. They can see other families making money, but they've never done it themselves. Mm. Then they're going to need a different governance model for that because they won't have the same degree of expertise and understanding the industry themselves. Um, And therefore, they'll, they'll need different mechanisms in place in order to get comfortable Um, and to make sure that they're getting the right information and they're involved in the right sort of decisions for them. Um, And so that's kind of, those those are the sort of areas that I'd be looking at. Um, And particularly if the portfolio is broadening quite considerably and you're going not from one business to two, but one business to five, uh, all of which are different in nature. One might be a family foundation doing charitable work. Um, one might be that financial investment portfolio another might be you know property related it's usually usually some of the key buckets that are in there then the governance needs to manage that greater degree of complexity um, and you're going to have different relationships with advisors and different levels of understanding within the family when I kind of look at governance what I'm thinking about so firstly having that the the platform, which is the understanding of the family purpose, the family goals, and that's what you build it on because that tells you what, the direction the family are going to and it's your you can use that as a check back to say, is it working? But then what you're trying to do really is help the interface between a group of individuals, the family, and the stuff that they own. Um, and the, you know, the things that are going to be important as part of that is how they get information, um, how they communicate both, as a family and with advisors, managers, boards, whoever, Um, how they make decisions. So who's involved in making decisions, what protocol, what decisions are they making? And then um, the fourth kind of key pillar is the levels of sort of financial expectation. Um, Have they got those clear at the outset? What are people looking to get out of this? What can they not expect to get out of this? And usually if you kind of work through and, and work through those four, then you'll build a, a governance model that's effective and robust for that family.
0: Yeah. And I think um, one of the words you use there that those sort of discussions can help to, um, to cover and, and to uh, unearth is expectation. And particularly if diversification is going to come out of, say, a capital allocation from the main operating business or the family wealth is going to be utilised towards establishing something that's new, what impact that has on perhaps other family members that aren't at the coalface, so to speak, and are going to be impacted by that as well. Having that discussion around expectations and being really open and transparent about that is going to help to avoid potential future difficult discussions, shall we say, um, when people are adversely affected without necessarily knowing that that was going to be the case.
1: Yeah, I think where you've got a family, you've got shared assets, then being really clear on the financial expectations, I think is key to avoiding conflict in the future. And you don't need to be specific in that you're going to get X hundred thousand a year, or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. But it's more the principles of it so this enterprise is designed to provide you with an income for life this enterprise is not designed to provide you with an income for life you may when it's doing well you may get um some financial returns to supplement but you need to make sure that you're building a lifestyle that you're not reliant on these you know, those are kind of two ways in which conversations can run and it's really important because um further down the line particularly you know, the more more you're diversifying in a way the more you're introducing complexity uh-huh. um, and it's it can get harder to then you know backtrack once you've uh, you've gone down that path so making sure it's going to work for those individual family members so there there are a few at the moment i know who um they do have different objectives within the family um now to give you an example is one where there are siblings and one sibling is very entrepreneurial and they're still very much in their wealth creation mode. Um, the other sibling believes that they have more than enough for them and for future generations and their their focus is much more on asset protection. Um, There's a post-liquidity event and actually in, in that scenario for that particular family, they need two different strategies and, and they, they're going to do that independently because they've got those different objectives and the different considerations so it doesn't matter how much governance you put in place they're they're kind of pulling in different directions mm. and, and understanding that at the outset is really helpful because you're not then trying to build something that is going to be put under significant strain
0: if it's the way that something has always been done so if, if they're used to having that kind of joined up approach and similar priorities Having an understanding that one person, or in that, that scenario, one person's priorities might have changed, and seeing that as an opportunity rather than well, what was wrong with what we used to do, mm. as well as is a way of um, reframing it and looking at it um, from that perspective. The, the other element um, that I uh, would like to kind of cover in that scenario as well is that the role diversification plays in removing dependency on one business, and perhaps releasing the strain from one business of supporting multiple generations of family. And, you know, if you're trying to do that with one business, and the number of family members is continuing to, to grow, at some point, one of those is going to potentially have to give. <laughs> Whereas utilizing diversification can spread that risk of if one business goes pop, then the whole family um, could could really suffer.
1: Yeah, and I always use you know, Kodak, and forgive me if anyone has got connections with Kodak who's listening <laughs> to this, but um, you, know, you you look back with the benefit of hindsight, and you know Kodak, certainly for me, in my formative years, was a you know, really significant business, and, and obviously now they didn't manage to, to identify the risks um, changing in the industry early enough. Um, and so you can see that in, in lots of different industries, and um, Particularly, I think, at the moment where uh, it's not just uh, technology, which is a significant consideration, but also going back to uh, one of the themes of today around sustainability and you know, the environmental, social and governance implications. There are lots of other businesses that I think are you know, heading towards sidings and, and dead ends at the moment, given the way in which consumers and the environment and, and, and people are um making decisions and I think that's gonna con- yeah hopefully for, for the sake of our planet will continue. Oh. Um but just reflecting on those issues and understanding about the implications for them on your business. But it's really hard to do that and to take a step back if you've got different family members with different expectations, particularly if you've got some who are reliant on the income because you know trying to to Give them some sort of courage that actually the, the end solution will protect them better in the long term. Um, it, it's not an easy discussion. Mm. Uh, it, you know, you can be a, an independent third party and you can see it clear as day. But um, for someone who has been, you know, reliant their entire lives on income from a particular business and that has been their security, and they've seen, you know, particularly if you compare that to sort of financial uh, markets, they've seen crashes where their business has always been relatively stable the idea mm. that actually that that could change in the future can be um, a bit of a bitter pill to to take and I think I like your way your point about reframing it and so you said well, one of the ways I try and frame it is well let's just think about things in in the wake of COVID and, and those implications and not saying that what was there before didn't work but it's mm-hmm. can we do things differently what can we improve on what we learned in the last couple of years that we want to to take forward with us um, yeah. and use that as at least one of the catalysts for the discussion
0: it can be really difficult if you're sat down with i don't know maybe a founder or somebody who's invested their entire life in a particular business and they go well this may not be it's the same it's almost challenging they could feel that it's almost challenging them and saying well hang on what do you mean i've done all right so far and i think that's the point around reframing it is none of us know what's around the corner Uh, and i I don't know many businesses that would have had within their contingency plan um uh, a global pandemic Uh, in a recent episode with um Josie Morris from from wall She mentioned that the contingency plan now contains things like alien invasions because you just never know and it's taught us that we just never know and so building in these strategies and looking at it from the perspective of continuity almost of okay if if diversification is a way of ensuring that the family's wealth is able to continue beyond. Um, the current generation and the next generation and and even further beyond that reframing it as that helps to have those discussions as well because it takes the personal nature away from it of what you've built up is it's on a knife edge you know (laughs) that can feel quite (laughs) a personal attack for some people who have put their life and and soul into building this business up
1: yeah now talking to a family this week and and we picked and settled on sort of a 20-year horizon which when you've got elderly family members can be quite useful because it's um it's far enough in the future for them to recognize that things will be different and, and certainly for some of them to realize now I, I might not be around at that point in time so therefore it kind of it shifts the emphasis and the focus and it's sort of on you know, what might my legacy be Legacy mm. uh, is isn't always a helpful word what, you know but what are what the plans in order to continue what we built here uh, but if you look at um, you know, any of the studies that have looked at 100 year plus family business family enterprises they've all gone through some degree of evolution i don't think there's a single one that looks exactly like it did 100 years ago no um, and this is just a a form of evolution and i think you can structure it in a way that it feels more like evolution than revolution
0: yeah i completely agree and one of the important elements of that and again it's something you touched on quite early on in the, the show around the potential for this to be inspirational for the next generation and is it lazy to say that there seems to be much more of a, an awareness around uh, sort of sustainability and purpose and social impact at the next generation level whatever that that really means is i know a lot of um senior generation are very much engaged in it but there there also does seem to be this um mindset shift in the next generation around purpose and impact and um using that as the sort of energy and driving force behind these discussions for diversification
1: yeah i mean i think I would agree. There are certainly some incredibly engaged senior generations who have always approached this. And, and you know, when you talk to a lot of family businesses about uh, specifically, you know, ESG (environmental, social, governance) considerations, they're like, "Well, we've used those our whole you know, lives because they just they, they make good business sense. There's nothing special about them." Um, but I do think that there is more active discussion of of these criteria and their implications and people are willing to make slightly harder decisions in um, the sort of upcoming generations. Um, you hear, um, you know, I speak to families where the younger generations are uncomfortable with the idea, for example, of uh, sustaining and, and keeping wealth within the family and they feel like it should be um, sort of returned to society, whether it's some form of reparation or through paying higher taxes um, and that I feel like it is a a dynamic that is increasing in that younger generation Um, albeit and you may you can always find um, exceptions in older generations that kind of think along the same lines but it it just comes up so much more frequently Um, and I think the the drive for purpose and to ensure that um, the work that they're doing and everything aligns with their values You know, historically, I think it was more of a barbell approach. So you might have somebody who made their business, uh, made their money through their business in one particular way. And then their outlet for the the social good and the the environmental concerns was through the family foundation. Uh So they were still doing good, but it it was a bit more offsetting. Whereas now people um, are much keen to make sure everything is aligned. And I think part of that may be just the transparency that you get from social media and the internet and uh-huh. um, in that you, you can link back people's statements um about what they're doing in the charity or, or what their their mission is and you can track across and find out what they're doing much more easily in the family business and, yeah. and connect it all so it might be partly driven by that but i do think that um it, it is more there's more conscious discussion and it's more more of a conscious consideration now um, in the, the generations coming through
0: Yeah. And I think as well, given um, what we've been through over the last 18 months or so, and uh, just from an observational perspective, I think a lot of thinking had to shift very quickly onto the very near term, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic is how do we get through this bit? How do we get through the first week and then six months and then beyond? And I think what is, is perhaps happening now as we try to emerge from it is that our thinking is shifting back to that longer term view of okay well what do we now need to do in order to create a foundation that doesn't um, crumble under the pressure of whatever's next what whatever, that alien invasion that, that's um, mm-hmm. just around the corner um, and the, it can re- act as a real catalyst for these types of discussions around diversification can't it
1: Absolutely. I mean, our, our whole um, approach of PDO, we've, we've used the same structure, whether it's for a family business or, or any of our other clients over the last 12 months. And you've got the initial phase, it's got a rethink strategy. The initial phase is very much kind of the immediacy and, and looking at exactly what needs to be done as, as a matter of urgency. But then there's kind of a medium and more long term phase to what does it mean for us? Where do we go from here? Um, is everything stable? Is everything OK? what about the future implications how do we make sure that we're in a better position going forwards and we've learned and built that better
0: yeah and if you were somebody who was listening to this who finds himself in that situation where they're looking at towards the longer term and want that um, they've got ideas around what they can do from a diversification perspective and the, the motivation behind it where would you suggest they start in bringing that to the or putting it on the agenda
1: i would always start trying to understand the different perspectives and you know we're dealing with families here we're not dealing with sort of big formal corporate organizations so speaking to people within the family to gauge where everyone else is at at the moment and their thinking um whether they already are on the same page as you in that case that makes life easy or if there's uh, ground to be made up and then uh, so if, you, if you've got that kind of um, map of where, where people stand on it, then you may need to do a bit of education and, and raising awareness. Um, it doesn't need to feel like that, but um, mm-hmm. just just bringing the topic up and finding opportunities and um, finding case studies or other families um, either who've had the misfortune of uh, not diversifying perhaps or have done it in the past and, and you can look and see how that's evolved and how it's worked and played out for them. Yeah. Always interested in, you know, families that um, are in, you know, in the press for different reasons and, and the stories and the examples that you can draw out from those because they, they can be quite useful talking points um, yeah. for a family. And you can do that, again, on a more informal basis before you start bringing in advisors. But I think also it can help to, you know, if you think there's going to be a bit more work involved in getting people onto the same page then speaking to an advisor who can help you structure your approach a bit more and make sure that when you're tabling some of these ideas you've thought about a few of the implications and um, so you know some of the topics we talked about whether it's you know, the operating model how it might work in practice whether it's a governance whether it's the implications from a risk and reputation for the family and um, the more that I think you can present a a solution or at least an idea that has taken these into consideration um, then it's going to be a lot more credible and you're leading people to to make it easier for them to think this is this is worth um, at least investigating further.
0: Absolutely and that, that painted an image of my mind of somebody going into the dragon's den entirely unprepared and them getting torn down by the, the dragons for not doing their homework or not doing their numbers properly, um, compared to those that then um, go ahead and, and uh, work with those dragons. But um, it, it's been a fantastic uh, discussion. I think we've covered an awful lot in terms of the practical elements of um, how diversification can be seen as a really important area to to look at. Um, where can our audience find out more about you and get in touch?
1: Um. Probably the easiest place, either um, LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm quite active um, post there and you can always send me a private message and, and connect um, or through BDO directly. Um, we've got information on our services on the BDO UK website. Um, if uh, you're not in the UK, I've got colleagues who um, practice the same things around the world so I can always connect you to, to one of our international team as well.
0: Fantastic. And all that is left for me to say is, Catherine, thank you very much indeed for your time. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to speaking to you again soon.
1: Great. I really enjoyed the discussion, Russ. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you found the show helpful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and remember to subscribe to our newsletter. If what I've covered in the show resonates with what you are facing in your own family business, I can help. I provide consultancy support to family businesses of all sizes. So please get in touch if you'd like to know more. Head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. Until next time, take care.